We'll be reading from Galatians 3, verses 1 to 14. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written... Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Much of life is about finishing things well. If you are a marathon runner, then you know the importance of pacing in order to finish all 26 miles or 42 kilometers for my Canadian family. If you are a general contractor, you know the significance of working really hard on all those final cosmetic touches to make the customer happy. And if you do some household chores at home, then you know you can't just merely wash and dry the clothes. It doesn't stop there. You have to fold them and put them away. Can I get an amen? That's right. See, it's never just about how you start things, but it's also about how you finish them. In Galatians 3, verses 1 through 9, Paul calls us to finish the Christian race well. So in Galatians, as a reminder, Paul is writing to Christians who were abandoning the gospel of grace by turning to a false gospel of works and self-reliance. Last time we opened Galatians together, we saw in Galatians 2.16 that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So you're not saved by trusting your own religious work, your own religious merit. You're saved by faith in Christ, by grace through faith in Jesus. And that is the real gospel. That's the only gospel. And that was the original message that the Galatians believed. 
See, just like many of you here today, you have trusted in Christ alone to save you. But, like the Galatians, I wonder if you're tempted to desert the gospel of grace. I wonder if amidst everyday struggles of life, you could be tempted to turn away from relying on Christ and turn to relying on self. I wonder if you intentionally or unintentionally forsake the all-sufficient work of Jesus by trusting in your own effort or your own merit. Well, brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to call you back to the gospel because the gospel that saved you is the same gospel that sustains you. And I want to call you to finish your Christian race well. Now, finishing the Christian race well, it involves two things. It involves relying on the Holy Spirit and not your own strength. And it involves trusting the Word of God. And so first, finish the Christian race well by relying on the Holy Spirit and not your own strength. For those of you who are Christians, you remember when you first came to Christ? Can you recall that moment or that season when you were looking to Jesus, when you turned from your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ, you believed upon him, and your life was radically changed? I can remember that moment for me in 2009. Your desires were changed. The world began to lose its luster. You became increasingly aware of sin, and you wanted to obey God. Do you remember that moment, Christian? Well, that radical change happened in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. If you look ahead a little bit in Galatians, in Galatians 3.14, Paul says that through faith in Jesus, Christians received the promised Holy Spirit. So upon faith in Christ, you are given the Holy Spirit who is your helper, who is your guide. And that was true of the Galatians. They had experienced real life change and they had the help of the Holy Spirit because they had responded to the real message. They had trusted the real gospel. And yet now they were turning away from this gospel. They were turning away from the Lord. Paul says in Galatians 3, 1, Oh, foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So Paul begins here by expressing sheer, absolute bewilderment. Twice in our passage, if you caught it, he refers to them as fools. He asks the question, who has bewitched you? That's like saying, who has casted a spell on you or who has led you astray? You see, just like in our day, there were lots of counterfeit gospels floating around. But Paul was completely perplexed that the Galatians were turning to a false gospel because they had so clearly heard the real gospel because Paul had preached it to them. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So the Galatians weren't physically there at Jesus' crucifixion, but they might as well have been. Remember, Paul had spent a few years with these Christians. He evangelized. He 
uh, answered questions, he discipled, and he preached, and he preached a lot, and his preaching was so vivid, it was so clear, it was as if the Galatians had been eyewitnesses to the crucifixion of Christ. Have you ever encountered a really good storyteller? Some people have like the gift of storytelling. They tell a story so clearly and so vividly that they can paint this picture that it makes you feel like you were actually there. My cousin Mike was, that, was like that. Anytime he's told a story, I was transported to that time and place. I almost, it was like I, I experienced it physically there with him. Well, Paul's preaching was so vivid and so clear that it took them to the cross. And Paul preached Christ crucified because that is the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross. He died, he rose again, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. And you can be saved by placing your faith and trust in Jesus and in his work. And this was the message that the Galatians had so clearly heard. And so he's convinced that they should know better. Who has bewitched you? Why are you turning away from this gospel and trusting a false gospel? Now, before you get too down on the Galatians, I think there are moments when we as Christians today do things when we ought to know better. You might know what the Lord says about purity, but how often do you put yourself in compromising situations with technology? You might know that the days are short and that the Lord calls you to use your time wisely, but how often do you binge on Netflix? You might know, because the Bible so clearly teaches how significant and important it is to gather together with the saints of God, and yet how often do you gather together when it's only convenient for you? Friends, when we are tempted to turn away from the Lord, we as the people ought to know better because we are the people of God and who have clearly heard his message. We've trusted the gospel. We've trusted Christ. But we also ought to know better because we have received the Holy Spirit. Just as the Galatians had received the Holy Spirit, and that's where Paul goes next, he asks a series of rhetorical questions to jolt them back to reality. And he asks the first question in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? There's one thing that I want to know from you, Paul says. Just one thing. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by performing religious acts, climbing a religious ladder, or did you receive the Holy Spirit by believing the message of the gospel. And there's only one clear answer here. The Galatians received the Holy Spirit when they believed the gospel and put their faith and trust in Christ. Twice in our passage, in verses 2 and 5, Paul refers to their salvation as hearing by faith, meaning they heard the gospel preached and they responded in faith. A few weeks ago, we said that the essence of faith is trust. When you have faith in someone, you trust that person. You trust the Air Canada pilot to get you where you're going. You trust your doctor to give you the right course of treatment when you have a serious health issue. Well, the Galatians had placed their trust solely in Jesus for salvation. 
So Paul says, you didn't receive the Holy Spirit by observing religious acts of the law like circumcision, purity regulation, or special days on the Jewish calendar. Those were religious acts that they were reverting back to. Paul says that they received the Holy Spirit because they responded to the preached word, because they responded to the message of Jesus. And Christian, the same is true for you today. You received the, mess, you received the Holy Spirit when you trusted Christ. In the same vein, Paul goes on to say in verse 3, not only did you receive the Holy Spirit by faith, but by faith the Holy Spirit is the one who perfects you as a Christian. Again, verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So Paul asks, are you going to start one way and then finish another way? See, when we receive the Holy Spirit as Christians, the Holy Spirit began, begins to do some life-changing work in us. It's the Holy Spirit who changes you. That's his role. That's what he does. He, he transforms you. He sanctifies you. He takes the jumbled mess of sin and brokenness in your heart and your mind, and he cleans all of that out. The Holy Spirit is like a master craftsman. He completely renovates your thinking, your desires, your habits, and he renovates your heart and your mind and transforms you into the image of Jesus. And that is all a work done by the Holy Spirit. That's not what you do. You don't do any of that in your own strength. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That word in verse 3, that word perfected there, it means to finish or to complete. So when God started, what God started through the Spirit by faith, the Galatians were now trying to finish or complete in the flesh, meaning they were relying on their own self-effort. They might have been believing in Jesus, but they were adding religious rituals. So they moved away from relying on the Spirit and faith and moved toward relying on human effort. I wonder, are you, are you guilty of thinking? Are you guilty of thinking what God started, I'll finish in my own strength? Maybe you don't necessarily think that explicitly, but maybe that's validated in how you live. Maybe you think, sure, God started a work in me through his spirit, but if I do these other things, I'll mature quicker. Christian, the reality is, is that your spiritual life is one that starts and finishes and is maintained by the Holy Spirit. So instead of trusting your own effort, rely on the Holy Spirit daily. And Paul says that if you turn away from this message of faith and you turn away from relying on the Holy Spirit and you trust in your own effort, if you do that long enough, you can actually run the risk of forsaking the gospel for good. And if you forsake the gospel, you will have suffered in vain. Paul poses another jolting question in verse 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain? If the Galatians were to renounce the gospel and turn back to trusting in works of the law, then their suffering as Christians had no real purpose. A few weeks ago, we were reminded from Romans 8 that there's a purpose in suffering. 
in his sovereign and mysterious way. God uses suffering in our lives as Christians to draw us closer to him and to change us. And Paul says that if you turn away from faith in Christ, and if you abandon the gospel, then all of your suffering had no real purpose. But he is sure of better things for them. Not only does the Holy Spirit mature you by faith, he, must, he sustains you by faith. Verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Paul basically restates verse 2. Upon their conversion, they had received the Holy Spirit and God had worked powerfully among them, performing all sorts of miracles for everyone to see. And so the Galatians had so clearly received the Holy Spirit at the moment of, of conversion, but they were also being sustained by the Holy Spirit. Now in their lives, the same again is, is true for you as Christians. And Paul says that all of this takes place not by works of the law, not by your own religious effort, but by hearing with faith. Christian, you have received the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation, the moment you were converted, by faith. And by faith in God, you are sustained by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Steph and I went to uh, the library in our neighborhood a few weeks ago, and I made my way over to the uh, Christian book section. There were a few decent books in there, but mostly self-help books. And they were essentially kind of categorized by the, the classic language, you know, three key rules to live by. Four steps to take for your Christian life to be better. Five principles that will change your life. Now, there might be some truth in some of those books, but brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You have God's presence in you. You don't need three steps or four principles. You need to rely upon the Spirit and go to him for help. So rely on the Spirit to help you with that difficult colleague. Rely on the Spirit to help you with your marriage. Rely on the Spirit to help you with your battle against sin. Rely on the Holy Spirit daily to sustain you and to keep you. Because you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit. So, fight the desire to rely upon yourself. Fight the desire to rely upon your own self-effort and rely on the Holy Spirit. That's how you finish the Christian race well. You rely on him to help you. But finishing the Christian life well also involves another element. And it involves trusting the word of God. Finishing the Christian life well involves relying upon the Holy Spirit and not your own strength. But it also involves trusting the word of God. And Paul calls you to trust the word of God because the entire Bible from start to finish, from Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible proclaims that God's people are saved and kept by faith alone and not by works. Now, quick brief word here. Some of your translations connect verse 6 to verses 1 through 5 and lump that into one paragraph. 
I think Paul's flow of thought transitions at verse 6. So it's actually a little bit more helpful for us to see verse 6 connecting to verse 7 through 9. So I'm going to read verses 6 through 9. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I think to really understand what's happening in a TV show, you have to know the whole series. Okay, sure, maybe you can parachute into one episode and get a feel for what's happening. But to actually know everything accurately and entirely, you have to watch every episode of every season. That helps you see the plot. That helps you know how the storyline unfolds. That helps you know how each character fits within the role that they play. Well, here Paul gives us the plot line, the storyline of the entire Bible, and he shows us that throughout the whole Bible, salvation has always been, been through faith. And so he calls you to trust this word, trust the scriptures, trust the Bible, and don't turn to false teachers. It's never been about works. It's always been about faith. And Paul says, I'll prove it to you. And he shows us Abraham. He shows us Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish nation. And he says, you Galatians, you Christian, you are justified by faith, just as Abraham was justified by faith. Abraham was not saved under works of the law, by works of the law, nor were you. No, all the children of God are saved by faith alone. And to demonstrate his point, Paul brings us all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis 12, God calls Abraham away from his family and away from his hometown, and he makes several promises to Abraham. He promises to give Abraham a new land. He promises to create a nation through Abraham and his offspring. He promises to make Abraham's name great, that is, to have great influence from many generations to come, and then he promises to bless the world through Abraham and through his offspring. Now, God makes all of these promises to Abraham, but Abraham goes on to have a bit of a tumultuous season in his life, and he wonders, will these promises actually come true? He's getting up there in age, and God had still not given him a son. So that all takes place in Genesis 12, and then in Genesis 15, God visits Abraham in a vision and reaffirms his promises to Abraham. Genesis 15, verses 3 through 6, this is what it says. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir, that is, a servant in his house. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, this man, this servant, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse six, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham thinks that he's going to have to give his entire inheritance to a servant in his house. 
but God had other plans for him. He promises that Abraham's offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And how does Abraham respond to these promises? Genesis 15, verse 6. And he believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. Paul takes Genesis 15, 6, and he quotes it in Galatians 3, 6. Why? Well, two big observations. First, Abraham didn't do anything to fulfill any requirements of the law. In Galatians 3.17, Paul tells us that this moment with Abraham happened 430 years before the law was given. And this moment with Abraham happened prior to Abraham's circumcision, which takes place in Genesis 17. So Abraham did not do one single thing to fulfill the law of God. And yet, Genesis 15, 6 says that God counted it to him as righteousness. Righteousness is adherence to God's moral and ethical standard. If someone is perfectly obedient to God's standard, he is righteous. He is in right standing before God. But here's the reality. No one is righteous. No person fulfills God's law perfectly. Paul says this in Romans 3.11. None is righteous. No, not one. Every single one of us falls short of God's standard, including Abraham. If you remember Abraham and his story, he was certainly no saint. He, he slept with his wife's servant to try to force God's promises by having his own child. And Abraham was scared for his own life to the point that he lies to a king and pretends that his wife is his sister. And yet, God counted Abraham as righteous. That is, God credits him or reckons him as righteous. It's like the pounding gavel, the final verdict of a judge. God declares Abraham innocent before him and no longer guilty of his sins. And God makes this incredible pronouncement over Abraham because Abraham believed in God, placed his faith and trust in God. Now, it wasn't his faith that saved him. His faith didn't earn him some type of salvation. Rather, his faith, his trust, was in the God who can save him. His trust was in the God who would follow through and deliver on his promises. Paul says in Romans 4, 6, And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteous. Trusting God for salvation is like opening up a bank account and immediately having God credit righteousness into your bank account. That's what happens with Abraham, and that's why Paul quotes Genesis 15.6 and Galatians 3.6, and Paul says to all of you who are, who are Christians here today, to the Galatians and to you, God declares that you are righteous when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and in his promise to save you. It's never about fulfilling the law or performing religious acts or being a good person. It's about faith in God alone and not self-performance. That's what the entire Bible teaches that a sinner can be declared righteous by God through faith. The apostle goes on. 
verse 6 and 7. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So Paul draws a conclusion here, and he tells the Galatians to know this wonderful conclusion, which was a reality that they were actually turning away from. Here's the reality, that those who have the faith of Abraham are identified as the children of Abraham. So question, what's required to be a part of Abraham's family and thus inherit, uh, inheritors of all the promises to Abraham and his offspring? It's not circumcision. It's not works of the law. It's faith in God. And that would have been such a tough pill to swallow for the Jewish legalists. They would have seen all of their external religious acts and works of the law to be identity markers that meant that they were Abraham's offspring and thus children of the promise. But Paul says, no, that's not the case. It's not about your ethnicity or your religious practices at all. The real sons of Abraham and the real children of promise are those who belong to God through faith. Again, Paul would go on to say in Galatians 3.29, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to promise. So Galatians, you who seem to be under a spell, turn away from all the legalistic self-reliance and trust the word of God which declares that Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for you. Faith in Jesus. The same is true for you, Christian. Your identity is not in attending church or reading your Bible or praying. All those things can actually be done by non-Christians. Your identity is fundamentally determined by your faith in Jesus because it's your faith in him alone whereby you are declared righteous before this holy God. And it's by your faith in him alone whereby you are adopted into his family and become a son of Abraham. Everything else flows out of that. Salvation by faith alone and God alone has always been God's plan. And that's the entire story of the Bible. In fact, Verse 8, Paul next calls his final witness to rest his case. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Scripture is personified here. It's given human attribute, the human attribute of seeing. And because Scripture itself is an extension of God, it foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. To justify is to be declared righteous by God. And so Paul's showing us, he's teaching us, that the Bible always taught that the Gentiles, and not just the Jews, would also have an opportunity to be declared righteous and holy by this God through faith in him. And the Bible taught this by preaching the gospel to Abraham. So how did God, through the scriptures, preach the gospel to Abraham thousands of years before Jesus would ever go to the cross? Well, God promised Abraham that all the nations, that is all kinds of people, would be blessed through him. In you, he says, all the nations shall be blessed. 
Again, Paul takes us all the way back to Genesis and he picks up on God's promises to Abraham and he kind of ties together three different verses through Genesis, all passages that tell us that Abraham will be a blessing to the world and that this ultimate blessing takes place through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, eventually Abraham's family lineage would produce the Messiah. Thousands of years later, a blood descendant of Abraham named Jesus was born in a little city called Bethlehem. And this Jesus was the promised Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God who is given for the sins of the world. And by faith in him, and by faith in that Lamb, you can be forgiven of your sins and dwell with God for all eternity. And by faith in Christ, you are blessed with a spiritual inheritance because you are now a son and daughter of God. And by faith in Christ... You are blessed with the forgiveness of your sins and the declaration from a holy God that he counts you as righteous. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Friend, have, has your sins been forgiven? Have you trusted upon Christ? Have you placed your trust in him? You see, Jesus died a death that every single sinner should have died. And God's judgment towards sin was poured out on him, meaning he was offered as a sacrifice that paid the penalty of sin. And he was punished in your place. The good news is that by turning from your sins and by placing your faith and trust in him alone, you can be forgiven of your sins and be declared righteous before this holy God. So I would call you today, friend, if you've not trusted upon Jesus, come all the way to him. Call out to Christ today. Turn from your sins and trust him. Paul concludes his argument in verse 9. So then... Those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We've all heard the phrase, like father, like son. Well, Abraham was a man of faith, and if you are a person who has the same kind of trusting faith like Abraham, then you will be blessed like Abraham, and you will be declared righteous and counted as righteous by God like Abraham. And through faith in Jesus... Christian, on your best day, you will be no more justified. And on your worst day, you will be no less justified. And because that's the case, all there's left to do, all that's left to do is to trust the word of God that tells us that your righteousness is secure because the Savior of the world secured it. So reject relying on self-effort. Reject relying on religious works. Reject any notion of good virtue as a means to save you or sustain you in the Christian life and press deep down into your heart that God has given you as a free gift the declaration that you are righteous before him through your faith in Jesus. Brother and sister, Christian, This Christian life is certainly like a marathon. And there's going to be moments that 
are fantastic. And then there's going to be moments where there's grueling pain. And I pray that God grants you strength to run well through it all. That you rely on the Holy Spirit and not your own effort. And that you'll trust the word of God and the righteousness that has been purchased for you through Jesus. And that as you draw near to him and rely on him, he will give you the grace you need to finish this Christian life well. May that be so. Pray for us.